All right, so let's get going. Uh, Jonathan's logging in. Okay. So we are, today's daf is daf Pei Beis, 82, and we did not finish Pei Aleph Amid Beis. We stopped at the two dots um, a little more than halfway down on the page. If uh, you find the place, it's Ochal Eichlen She'in Ro'in Lachilin. Okay? We said if somebody on Yom Kippur eats something that's not fit to be eaten, it's not really food, it's animal feed, something of that sort, so there's no chi of kares for eating such a thing on Yom Kippur. All right? A little more than halfway down. Two dots. Pay Aleph Amud Beis. 81A. You got it, Rabiel? Omar Rav. Rav says, Kas pilpilei biyayim dikipurei pater. If a person eats pilpilei, which is peppers, on Yom Kippur, he is not going to be obligated in curries. Why? Because this pepper is meant to be spices. It is not meant to be eaten raw. Kas zangavila. Okay, zangavila comes up pretty often, which is ginger. Biyuma dikipure potter. Person eats a whole ginger on Yom Kippur. You are potter. Again, it's not a food. It is a spice. Maybe that's a challenging question. That the Arla is going to be Aser. Okay, we know the first three years that a person plants a tree in Eretz Yisrael, you're not allowed to benefit from that fruit. So it says in the Pasuk, So if, since we said it's Piriyai, it's fruit, we're going to assume that it's from a tree. Generally, fruit grows from a tree. So I can say it's Michael. I know that already. It's extra words. It's coming to include a tree whose branches and the fruit taste similar. It's hinting to that. Where do you find both the branches and the growth itself taste the same? Have you ever Is referring to peppers? To let us know that peppers are obligated in Arla, it's considered a full-fledged fruit. But it's also letting us know that Eretz Yisrael is lacking nothing. You want to go somewhere else on vacation? You want to find beauty elsewhere? All Everything is found in Eretz Yisrael. It's not lacking anything in Eretz Yisrael. So we have a question. Why? Because Rav says that peppers on Yom Kippur is potter. It's not considered a fruit. But from the fact that it's obligated in Arla, seems to imply that it is a fruit. So what's Pshat in Rava? Answer the Gemara. Like Kasha, there's no question. Ha Biratibsa. One's talking about fresh berries of pepper. Ha And the other case is dealing with dried out, uh, dried out berries. Meaning, when Rava says that berries is considered a spice and not a food, that's dried out berries. This other brysa, that says that berries in Eretz Yisrael are chayav and arla, pepper berries, that's talking about fresh ones, and even Rava would agree that fresh pepper berries um, are considered a fruit, and if you eat that on Yom Kippur, you would be chayav taka. He's just pottering the dried pepper berries. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rav Nachman says that what you have in Darye. So Rashi says, interesting Rashi, if you look over in, if you look over to the, um, 
Rashi, it's about uh, two-thirds of the way down in Rashi. Okay? Rashi, he malta. Lituriga shemefat timin besomim ketushim bedvash. You basically take ground up spices and you mix it up with honey. Okay. So Rav Nachman says that when you have these things that are mixed with honey, Sharia, it is allowed. Now, allowed as far as which halacha is concerned. So let's keep reading Rashi. Hinduya me eretz kush, from the land of kush. Maybe it's Ethiopia, discussion what kush is. Sharia, it's put, permitted. Let's keep reading Rashi. Okay, we're about 12 lines to the bottom of Rashi on the Amud. There's no problem of Bishul Akum, of a non Jew cooking it. Since it's able to be eaten raw. All right, since anything is able to be eaten raw, the normal way is to eat something raw. When you're able to eat something raw, even if a guy cooks it, it's not going to asser. Uh, it's not going to make it forbidden to eat. So let's start this question again, okay? Because it was kind of cryptic. These spices that are that are mixed together with honey that come from Kush are allowed. And you make a bare priha dama. Now these things that were mixed together included ginger. So you see that ginger is not only considered a spice. Ginger is considered a food. Hence, we have a question on Rava. Why, according to you, Rava, is it that you're not obligated for eating ginger on Yom Kippur? Says the Gemara, same answer we gave by the peppers. Like Kasha, no question. Ha, biratifta, ha, biyabashta. Okay? When you have ginger that is moist, meaning fresh, that is food. When you have ginger that's dried out, that's no longer food. That is now called spices, and you would not be obligated in curries for eating it on Yom Kippur. Period. End of that discussion. Okay. If a person eats leaves of reeds, he is He is What's considered You know, we know a lulav is like a palm frond, right? It's an offshoot of a tree. So lulav gefanim are offshoots of grapes, of grapevines. Amar v'yisag migdala, kol shalivlevu meresha shonavad yoy makipurim. Anything that's livlevu, anything that sprouts um, from Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur, so that's considered something that's edible when it's time for Yom Kippur, and you are going to be chaya for eating it. I'll explain in a minute what this means. What do I mean? Any other growth is not? What, what's going on here? If it's growing by Yom Kippur, we'll explain in a moment. Rav Omar Any 30 days. Okay. What is a shoot? What is an offshoot? A shoot is a very soft growth that comes from uh, various trees and growths. Now, a shoot initially starts out very soft and chewable and edible. But once it's, you know, the longer it's there, the more it hardens. So if you think about it, when you have a shoot, initially in its earliest stages, it's soft and potentially a food. Once it grows longer, it loses its status of being a food. And that's what we mean over here. Anything that sprouts from Hashanah until Yom Kippur is still soft enough to be called eating on Yom Kippur where you're going to be chayim. Rav Kahana says, called shleishim yon. Even if it sprouted within 30 days, 
of Yom Kippur is still going to be soft enough that it's considered food, and if somebody eats it on Yom Kippur, you're going to be chayev. Tani Kavasi Dreb Yisak Migdala Brisa, as seems to imply, like Dreb Yisak Migdala Ochal Alei Konim Potter, if a person eats Alei Konim, leaves of reeds, he is Potter on Yom Kippur but if you eat the shoots of grapes, chayev, you are chayev. And Elu Hain Lavig Efanim, what's considered a shoot of a grape where you're obligated? Anything that's so fresh and just grew that it's soft enough to be considered a food, and if you eat it on Yom Kippur, you're obligated. Okay, beautiful. Period, two dots. We're now five lines from the bottom of Pei Aleph Amud Base. All right. Next thing we said that if you eat or drink it on Yom Kippur, you are putter. Is Shasatzir a Morius putter? If you drink. Fish juice, juice that seeps out of fish, or fish fats, that is not considered food, and you are putter. Okay. Now the way this was explained in the Mishnah is kind of these things are more like dressings for other foods to be eaten with vegetables and things of that sort. But it itself is not considered a food. Let's get into this. It seems, says the Gemara, what about vinegar? You're going to be obligated for drinking vinegar on Yom Kippur. Okay? Now, why? Because the fish juice and the fish fats are always designated as, it's used minimally, and it has a very potent effect. Regular vinegar can technically be drunk. Okay? It's not like so far off from being called a drink. And therefore, it says the Gemara Adiyuk, and we're inferring, if the Mishnah says that you're not obligated for the fish juice and for the fish fats, it must be that you would still be obligated for vinegar, because since vinegar is more like a food, if I wouldn't be obligated on vinegar, follow the logic here, right? If I wouldn't be obligated on vinegar, I should have said, oh, on vinegar you're put on, on how much more so everything else. From the fact that it only lists the fish stuff, must be that vinegar is a problem. That's the deal. Gemara says, okay, Masnison money. Who's the Tana that agrees that if you drink vinegar on Yom Kippur, you're going to be Chayev? Says the Gemara, Rebbe, it's Rebbe, the Tana went to Nebraisa, Rebbe Yomer, Rebbe says, Chaymetz Meshiv as Hanefesh. Yeah, vinegar is very good for a person. It calms a person down. The Gittazach, and uh, drinking it is, uh, is not only is it not frowned upon, it's a Gittazach, it's a good thing. And therefore, it's considered food. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't paskin like Rabbi that when you drink vinegar, you're chayav on Yom Kippur. The next year, so everybody went and they put water into their vinegar. Okay? Because they said, oh, it's not true that vinegar itself is called a drink, it's not good for the body. We might as well dilute it and water it down. Shomar of Gidol ve'ikmir. So Rav Gidol by Menashe, who gave this Joshua, became very makbid. And Omar, he said, Amar da'amri ano di'eved. Where do I say we don't follow the lacha of Rebbe? That's when somebody drank vinegar on Yom Kippur. But, and I'm saying afterwards, you're not going to be chayev because we don't pass like Rebbe. However, lechatchila mi'amr. Yeah, lechatchila. That ideally to go ahead and drink this on Yom Kippur, uh, did, I, did I say you're allowed to do such a thing? Amar Darmi Anaporta. 
And when I was talking about a Maishir, I was talking about a drop of vinegar, Porta a little bit, Tuva Mi Amri, everyone drinking cups of vinegar. Come on, everybody take it easy, yeah? Amar Da Amri Anachai. And did I say that there's no Chiyuv if you drink vinegar straight, plain vinegar? But Mozog Mi Amri, did I say that if you Mozog, if you dilute the vinegar, it's going to be allowed? What is go- what, what's going on over here? What's everybody taking, their, uh, taking this halacha into their own hands and assuming they could do whatever they want? And he was makbid, um, period. Okay, Kabbaldik, we now turn to today's daf. All right, now we're up to daf. Pei Beis. We're now starting. Uh, we're, we're now starting today's daf, and the reason why we didn't get through yesterday is because Ahmed Beis is uh, Ahmed Beis is, is much shorter. So Beis Jam will be able to catch up. Hopefully, we'll be able to finish today's daf. Here we go. Zok the Mishnah. Get into Chinuch a little bit. Beautiful daf over here, as always. Children do not need to stop eating and drinking on Yom Kippur. But we do train them. Okay, what does it mean we train them? So Rashi says to fast for a little bit. Train them for a year or two. Okay, 11 years old, 12 years old. Fast for a few hours. This way they will be rugil in mitzvahs. Okay, so Hilchas Chinuch. Now, another part of Chinuch is also to teach them that Yom Kippur is a Yom Tif. I know when I was, when I was a kid, my mother, Zechari Lebrocha, had a minug where the sukkah was pretty much put up already before Yom Kippur. And all the children and grandchildren would come over for Bubby's Chalant. My mother would throw a whole party. Mom would make a whole suda for all of her, on Yom Kippur. For, for uh, her eneklech, for her grandchildren. They'd come over on Yom Kippur and uh, and they would eat Bubby's Chalant. They would, she, she made a suda. Because if you're going to eat on Yom Kippur, it's a Yom Tif, you might as well make a suda out of it. But, but the mission is letting us know. As a person approaches the age where they're going to have to start fasting, it's Kedai, it's worthwhile to start training them. Says the Gemara, The mission could have said two years before you should be Mechanach. Why do you guys say one year? It says one or two years. Okay, just say two years. Yeah, it depends how strong the kid is. That's the bottom line. Some kids can handle fasting. Some some kids can't when they're uh, 11 years old. So then you wait an extra year for that child. But it seems that if a kid is strong enough, you should have them start fasting for a few hours, even a, uh, even a, a, a couple of years before their bar or bas mitzvah. Okay. Eight-year-old or nine-year-old is trained, is mechanech to fast for a few hours. Ben Eser, 10 years old, Ben Achadasoy, 11 years old, Mashlim Midraban. Let's talk about, now, a girl is bas mitzvah one year younger than a boy. Or than a boy's bar mitzvah, right? So, um, an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old means an eight-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy. Or a 10-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy. A 12-year-old should try to fast uh, completely midai rice. Okay? Now, this is obviously only for girls. Okay. This is by a girl. Show us 9 to 10-year-old for a few hours. 
Beautiful. Okay, so everything's in tandem. Except girls are always going to be one year younger than the boys. There's no such thing as being mashlim, a fast that's neither abanon, ben eser, ben achaz, vemachankan, and so So 10 or 11 years old, they fast, they fast for a few hours. Rashi explains. Um, that this is dealing with a girl. And a 12-year-old is, is obligated me to rice. It's now we learned in the Mishnah. A is a young lady. We're not uh, under the age of Bas Mitzvah. We don't afflict up to Yom Kippur. But a year before, or two years. It says one or two years before. So I'll say, one year before you start preparing them for Midrabanan. And um, two years before, they should try to fast uh, for the uh, biblical fasts, for the Dine Daraisa. Ella, but the Rabbi Yechanan Kash. According to Rabbi Yechanan, we got a question. According to Rabbi Yechanan, there's no such thing as a child being obligated to fast. Yeah. All it means is one or two years, Samach Lepirkan before they become a bar or bas mitzvah. Okay? Now, if a kid is weak, um, so then you're going to start that child one year before the bar or bas mitzvah. And if a kid is stronger, we'll start training that child two years before their bar or bas mitzvah. Toshima, come and listen. Gavaldik, the Tani, Rabbi Bar Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel taught us. Okay, somebody under bas mitzvah tinaikais. We know that a tinaikis actually can be boy or girl, right? It's plural children. So we, we're not bound to them on Yom Kippur. They don't. We don't withhold food and drink. According to Rebbe it makes sense a year or two before. What's a year again? Kid sick? Uh, not not sick. Like a weaker body, a weaker body. So then you only start one year before. A stronger body, start two years before. But according to Rav Huna and Rav Nachman, who say that you got to start at least a few years beforehand, what are they going to do with this? What does the chinuch mean? It means to fast an entire fast. Not to do it just for hours. Okay, Not to do it just for a few hours. It means mamish to fast at a midrabana. A year before a barabas mitzvah, a child is obligated to fast. Um, I'm sorry. Says the Gemara, but one second. Is fasting completely called chinuch? What is chinuch? Listen to this. You want to know what chinuch is? Okay. Chinuch is that if a kid's used to something, you just take them a little bit out of their comfort zone. Used to waiting two hours to eat over here, you waited three hours. Okay, so you see from here that what is what's chinuch not to complete the fast but to get them going on the path of fasting. There's two types of chinuch, all right, there's two types of, of ways. That we train our children to fast. Okay. Bottom line, 
you know, what we're walking away from this is that, um, well, you know, you can have this discussion, a fascinating discussion, when we want to talk about chinuch, is it worthwhile going part way in something? Because Lamaisa, they're going to have to fast the whole fast once they become a gadol or a gadola. So to fast for just a few hours is called chinuch? Or is that called training them to not fast properly? Because when it comes time, they're going to have to fast the whole day. So that's the nafkamina here. It do you, there, there's two types of chinuch. One type of chinuch is to build it up slow and steady. The other type of chinuch is, listen, you're, already, uh, you're a boy, you're already 12 years old, it's a year before, you're mechayif to start fasting completely. It's not, it's not uh, you know, it's not enough to fast for a few hours. You've got to finish the entire thing. Okay. Those are the two mahalchim. All right, period. End of that Gemara. Now we're going to go on to <laughs> such a fascinating mission. <laughs> Listen to this. Pregnant women in particular have craving. Now, when a pregnant woman has a craving, if they're telling the truth, um, then it's kedai, it's worthwhile to give them to eat, because otherwise it's a sakana, it's a danger to the fetus. Okay? It's a danger to the fetus. Listen to this mission. A woman is pregnant, and she smells food, and she's craving it. The halacha is, she is permitted to eat until the craving goes away. Okay. What about a sick person? So you got to wait. Basically, you talk to the doctors. Yeah. If the doctors say that there's a real sakana here, there's a real danger um, to the person's limbs, to the person's life, then you feed them the amount that the Bikiyim, the experts, the people who are bucky in this area, tell say you got to eat that amount, but then don't eat more than that. <clears throat> what happens if there's no bucky around? There's nobody who's like bakant, you know, get, you know, has all this down pat. So then then you rely on the person himself. And he said, the guy says, yeah, I feel myself falling apart. So then you could rely on him. But once he says, I'm no longer falling apart, then we start withholding food. All right. We're going to get into some really cool stories soon. Here we go. A pregnant woman who, who smells hectic meat and she craves it. Or pig meat and she craves it. Okay? Stick a kush, a, like a spoon, into raitev, into the dip, into the gravy, and you put it on her mouth. Okay? So we don't give her the actual food, we give her the gravy of the food. If she comes down, great. Let's move on. I'm sorry, so first she smells, you put her under her nose, and she smells it in. And if that suffice is good. If not, then you can, she can actually eat a little bit of the gravy. If she's calmed down, good. Then you can give her the fats. 
And eating non-kosher is not one of the things that somebody is obligated and possibly even permitted at times to give their life up for. All right? And now, we're familiar with this, right? What we call the big three. That a yid, if his life's in danger, is obligated to transgress all 610 commandments except for Gidearayas, Shvichas Damim, and Avodazar. Let's go through this. How do you know? Beautiful Gemara. Let's get through it. We, we, we all know this. Where does it come from? Avodazar, we know that you have obligated to give from your life for Avodazar at the time when the Rabbi Zerbelazar, my blood says, never behold Navshacha. You got to serve Hashem all your nefesh. Love number of Chomay Dachov. After eight Hashem like Yachov, you got to love Hashem your God. Bechol Avovcha, with your Yetzer Tov and your Yetzer Haro. Bechol Nafshcha, you're obligated to give up your life. Bechol Ma'i Dachov and everything you have. What's the difference between Bechol Nafshcha and Bechol Ma'i Dachov? Vimnamar Bechol Ma'i Dachov, Vimnamar Bechol Nafshcha. Both of them are not necessary. Means everything. Because there are some people who their body is more precious to them than their money. Take care of your body first. Some people, their moment is more than them than their body. That's why it says, Okay? Different people have different things that are, you know, that are, uh, they're willing to give their life up for. Yeah? Some people are willing to give their life up for other things more than themselves. So therefore, this covers all bases, all types of approaches. Had know that a person is obligated to give up their life to not transgress Gili Arayas and Shrikas Damim, the Tanah Lentra Braisa. Rabbi Yomar Rabbi says, When a person stands on his friend, okay? somebody goes and kills somebody else, so is the halacha. Okay? Now, the, the halacha is that um, if somebody is ma'anes, a nara hamurasa, and there's nothing to do. There's nobody around to help her. So she's obviously going to be off the hook. Okay? But it brings in murder next to Gilearayas. Why are we throwing in this word about murdering when it comes to a Nara Hamurasa? Ella, rather. It's coming. To teach us something, and it turns out as well that it itself is being taught. Meaning, the halacha of giliarayas that one is obligated to give up their life before transgressing it also applies to the halacha of shvichas damim. A person is obligated to give up their life before killing somebody else. Ma nara hamurasa nitem latila benafshay, just like an amurasa. If you know somebody's going to rape her, the halacha is that you're allowed to stop him even if it means that he'll end up dead. Okay? That's what we're from the Pasuk. 
If you see somebody about to rape somebody else, you let him pop them in the head. Alright? So too by Reitzeach. Ma Reitzeach Yareg Val Yavar. Just like by Reitzeach, it's Yahareg Val Yavar. You have to allow yourself to be killed and not transgress and murder somebody else. Af Nara Morosa, Yahargu. So too by Nara Morosa, one is obligated to be killed, Vilal Yavar, and not to transgress the Avera of, of uh, immorality, the Avera of adultery. Okay, so we now have the sources. When it comes to Abay Dazara, when it comes to Gili Arayas, I'm sorry, yeah, when it comes to Abay Dazara, Gili Arayas, it comes to Shri Chazdam. Says the Gemara, top of Pei Beis Amad Beis. How do you know that you're not allowed to kill somebody? Svarahi, da'ahu, da'asla kamei da'rava, amar le'i, amar le'i, mari du'rai, katle le'planya. He says the the king of my of my city is uh, said to me, Katle Laplanya, go kill some guy. Okay, so some Gaiish uh, ruler told him to go kill someone. He like Katla Lacha, and if you don't kill him, I'll kill you. So he asked Rava, Am I allowed to murder that guy to save my own life? Rava says, Miktalach, no, you're obligated to be killed. Vilay Sikta, and don't kill somebody else. My Often quoted Gemara, rightfully so. Who says that your blood is any redder than the other guy's blood? Okay, you don't know whose life ultimately is more beloved in the eyes of Hakadosh Baruch. Okay, let's tell a few stories over here. Here we go. It's going to take us to tomorrow's daf. There was a woman who was pregnant and had a craving. Also, the commander Rebbe, they came from Rebbe. They said, Rebbe, Sakonis Nefashis is a pregnant woman. She got a craving. Omar Lahu, Rebbe says, Go whisper into her ear that it's Yom Kippur. Now, why should you whisper that into her ear? Her ear? Because the kid will hear it as well and chill out and be like, Oh, yeah, I shouldn't be eating. They whispered it to her and she was makabal and the craving went away. Kariyalei. Rebbe said about her, the terem inside a tzarcha I formed, babeta in the stomach, yidaticha, that I know you. Okay? Nofak minei Rabbi Eichanan. And that baby who was inside the woman ended up being Rabbi Eichanan. This was Rabbi Eichanan's mother who had a craving on Yom Kippur. They whispered this into her ear. It went away. And Rabbi Eichanan was that child. Another story. Nahiru bara da'archa. Asla kameh Rabbi Chanina. Amar lahu, lachushila, whisper that it's Yom Kippur, and the whispering didn't help. Kariyalei, so Rabbi Hanina said about that that the child, zairu rishaim irachem, the rishaim are zarim, they are strangers from the womb. You can already see what a baby is going to be, and what its nature is from the time it's in the womb. Nafak minei shabtoi otzar peirai. And that baby ended up being Shabtai, who was the Eitzer Peirai. Who's Shabtai Eitzer Peirai? So Rashi tells us that um, Shabtai Eitzer Peirai was a manipulator. He was somebody that got access to a lot of the farms in Eretz Yisrael. He bought them all up, created a monopoly, and raised the prices on everybody so that he could become rich. And uh, you see from here, says the Gemara, 
that even from the earliest times of a child's development, you can already see their nature. I does verse have bechira? Yeah, yeah, bechira. You can fight that nature. But um, you know, we have two stories where a woman had a craving on Yom Kippur. One, the woman calmed down, the baby calmed down, that child ended up being Rabbi Yechonon. The other one, the, the child did not calm down, and that child ended up being this wicked uh, Shabtai, who was called Shabtai Otsaperi, the Shabtai who locked up uh, all the fruits in order to raise the prices on everyone. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Bez Hashem, we'll pick up from here on Matzi Shabbos at 10 p.m., with Daf Pei Gimel. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.